The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hello, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on the BBC Sounds app. This week, Tom Cole is my special guest, taking your calls on everything from bees, toads and runner beans, that the flowers fall off and they don't produce beans. And we've got some top tips on things you can be getting on with in the garden, not forgetting plant of the week. We go straight to your calls and this week we start with Mary from Ilford. Well, I, I was listening to your other programme about funny animals and stuff you've got in your garden and I called up and they said I ought to talk to you. I have a bee's nest or something under my shed in the garden. Quite do I possible. Have to do anything about it? Right, and um, they're either would-be bees. I mean, are there lots of bees? Because you've got ground bees that actually live in the ground. Um, you've got bees. I mean, the, the, so many bees, aren't there, Tom? Hundreds. Oh. Lots of different varieties, yeah. yeah. Now, the thing is, as if they're not harming you and they are not causing danger to anyone else that's, you know, young children or something like that, uh-huh. They're honestly best left alone, aren't they? Tom? Yeah, absolutely leave alone. They're actually doing they, all the oh, good. Well, that's probably what I'll do. I, I, I had, they were the lot coming in the other day, but the last few days I haven't heard them coming back. I can hear them all buzzing under the shed. Yeah, I think as long as you keep away, you see, all it is, it's it's about disturbing them. I mean, I was in a garden recently where I was cutting a bush. And in fact, um, suddenly I got attacked by a wasp purely because you're going near their nest, and okay. and they're very they're very possessive, and, and a bee will act just the same. If they feel threatened, they'll sting. If you leave them alone, they don't sting you. Will they will they go in the end? They'll winter time. You'll find that they won't be a problem. They'll disappear. So you haven't got to worry through the winter. Sometimes they'll return to the same spot and sometimes they don't. Okay. All right? Yep, right, I'll leave it. Thank you very much. But definitely bees at the moment are very important, aren't they, to <laughs> Absolutely. us? And, and therefore we should try and leave them alone. Great Let's pollinators. Go. Yep, Eve in Harlow. Hello, Eve. Hello, uh, Ken. Um, it's just a query. Um, can you buy peat now? Can you buy peat now? That, do you know, that's an interesting question. Can you buy peat? Yeah, I believe you can. And where did you see it? Well, have we not seen it in some of the some of no. the, some of your multiples? No. Have you? I thought I had you actually. Look at my store. No, I haven't none. seen it. Most are out, most are now looking at sort of coir or yeah. barks there's or a, blended versions. There's a versions. shortage of coir worldwide because mm. we've used it all up. It, I tell you what, it, it's going to be an interesting future on what the Dickens video. Well, Eve, why do you want peat out of interest? I mean, I'm not anti-peat. Peat was one of the best mediums that we ever had. So, I mean, it grew things beautifully. It was great. But why do you want peat when we're trying to not use peat? Well, I've got a rubber plant. Yes. And I want to take a piece off. And they say in the book, you um, put peat round it and oh. then wrap it round with the... Um, OK, that might... Now I know why you want peat. You could use any multi-purpose compost and it would oh, do exactly the same. Oh, good. So you Thanks. just get a multi-purpose compost and use the same, all right? Lovely. And you're going to, you you're going to, what, you're going to aerial root it, are you? Yes. 
Yeah. Yes. That'll work really well. Lovely. All Thank right. you very much for your help. That's a pleasure. Okay, well, moving on. If anybody knows out of it, I'm in. I'm intrigued. You've got me intrigued now. If anybody knows, if the garden centre is listening, maybe someone at Alton Garden Centre, they used to be uh, powers of information. If you know that you can get Pete, we'd be interested to hear. You can either give us a call, or you can send us a text, or you can just email me at ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. It's as easy as that one. Let's go talking cherry trees now Ooh. with Tony and Maplestead. Is it Maple Stood or Maple Tony? That's Maple Stead. Maple Stead, isn't it? That's it. Morning, well, Ken. <laughs> what's up with your cherry tree then? Uh, yeah, about 10 years ago, I planted a cherry tree called Lapins. Mm-hmm. Um, and the it gets uh, cherries on it, but they get to the size of about your fingernail, and then they go red and brown and drop off. And we've had a lot drop this year, and I wonder what was causing it. And you've got whereabouts? Have you got this in um, directly in the ground? It's not in a pot or anything, is it? Uh, no, I've got a small orchard. It's out in the open. And do you think sort of the water levels are, are fine at the moment this year? That's what it sounds year? like, doesn't it? Um, well, there's uh, next to it's um, an apricot, and um, that's got masses on. That's doing fine. So I'd have, I'd have thought there was plenty of do water there. A, All the other trees. Are, are, do they get a rot? Cherries. I mean, no, the normal thing is splitting, but that's weather-related. Yeah, but the rotting, if you get, get rotting, the fruit will have formed more, and you would have so, seen that. It's so if, good... it's, if it's prematurely dro- is it, so it's prematurely dropping off? Yeah, prematurely dropping off. Yeah, yeah. hang on, how prematurely? You're saying, because you just said they mature. They're getting to the, about the size of your fingernails. They're not fully grown. Cause they're I think quite sm- that's small. Quite a big cherry. So, in other words, they're not being... That implies they're not being pollinated. No, no. If you've got the fruit, they ha- have been f- pollinated and fertilised. Uh, so when fruit tends to drop off prematurely, it tends to be some it's kind of water stress. It's stress, isn't it? Some sort. Sometimes it can be temperature-related, re- but usually it's a, it's a water stress issue. Mm. And I know I know most fruits will, in June, shed excess fruit, but then you'd expect to have a lot of that still retained, so it then gradually matures into much larger fruit. And but, they're going brown as well, where, which is where unusual. it sounds like they're, they're quite small fruitlets... Yeah, they are, they're quite small, and they very don't mature. Very few of them mature. So, so I mean, think it's possibly water then, because yeah, we are heavy clay up here. Yeah, I mean, I suppose. I mean, clay's an odd thing, isn't it? Really, because it, it it's a lovely soil because it's very rich. But um, as you get into the summer and it begins to dry out, it wants to hang on to its water and not give it up so freely. Um, what you could do uh, to try and enhance and sort of improve it really is maybe loosen the surface water. Um, right. I would and then mulch pro- in would, the winter. Yeah, but I would also probably feed as well to see if we can boost the plant, but then definitely mulch right up to the trunk of the plant yeah. to see if you can really keep that moisture in. And when you're, when you're feeding, um, one of the best methods is to go out to the sort of the edge of the canopy of the plant, drive a <coughs> stake or a metal pole down into the ground and then drop something like Vitax works really well on fruit trees. Vitax, right. something like Q4 or one of those. Yeah, uh, just yeah. drop it down round round the feeding roots and try and just give the thing a bit of a boost. Okay, that's lovely. Thanks for your help on that. Let us know how you get on because we're always interested to know improvements. We're staying on fruit. We're with Keith in Rochford. Raspberries, Keith. 
Yes, um, I've got some raspberry canes, uh, mainly self-seeded. Um, I've had the raspberries off them. They are about four foot, four foot six high. Should I trim them down? Um, these, so these are these are true summer fruiting raspberries. Yes. And have they put any other growth up whilst they've been producing the fruit fruited canes? Yes. Yes. So yeah, you could you could actually take out the harvested canes to the ground, leaving about an inch of a stub. And then the others, you could actually then tie those in and sort of space out the best canes, about a fist uh, between one cane and the next. Do some people leave some of the older canes to then produce fruit at the top next year as well? Some people do, yes. So you can reduce them by half, but most would cut them down to let all that energy go into the the brand new growth. Is that all right, Keith? Yeah, okay. Thanks. So as long as you've enjoyed your raspberries, that's what... Raspberries and... (laughs) He's enjoying his tea, that man. Steve in South End, we're talking runner beans, aren't we? Yes, we are, Ken. Yes, I need some help. Okay, what's what's up with your beans? Right, I've got plenty of foliage. Yes. I've got the stalks, I've got the flowers. Uh, And then all of a sudden the flowers are disappearing and all I've got is the stem of the stalk left. Right, are you... You see, earlier on, it was fluctuating night temperatures, but in fact, they've been quite constant the last couple of weeks, haven't yeah. they, Tom? So it's not that at all. No. And the whole flower is disappearing. Yeah, it's just just a little stalk left where the flower was. Um, sometimes you might get birds that are eating where those flowers soft. were it's f- and it's quite moist so they're looking for some moisture there because uh, it sounds odd mm. that it's just um it's been taken off the ends and you've still got the flower stalk there yeah yeah so uh, it's not a it, that's a pest related problem no, i've looked for bugs and everything they're all clean and it, is every single flower gone um not everyone no but as they produce then they seem to be disappearing does flower sound like bird, doesn't it? Yeah, it could be bird issues. I can't really? think. Of, I can't think of anything else actually that um, would cause that. It's the weather. I've, I've got them growing in tubs on my patio as well because I do like my runner beans. And, and how are they doing? Yeah, they're doing fine. They're, you know, growing up the canes, but I don't see many birds flying around them. Well, I'm, you know, they're only outside the kitchen, so I don't see any birds really attacking them. There's not much else, is there, Tom, that would have tapped them? Can't think of anything else, actually. Um, water. water wouldn't... You'd lose the stalk as well, wouldn't you? If it was lack of water, the oh, stalk yeah. of the flower would drop as well. Yeah, now, if it was yeah. lack, of, lack of water, you get the you get premature flower drop and actually that stalk would die back that's and, right, then, disappear. and then the top growth would start to wilt a bit more. Right, no, that's not the problem, then. <laughs> Ah, well, uh, if, anybody else, if anybody else knows the answer for Steve's question, come back to us as well. How about that? Right, you never know. All right, but we, other than birds, we haven't got an answer for you on that one, have we? No? Can't think of anything else, actually, at the moment. OK. Let's look at Plant of the Week. Salvia nemorosa caradonna. Now, mention of salvias is a bit confusing sometimes because when you think about it, there's 800 plus species. The flowers are from blue, red, even into yellow. The flowers are tubular on pretty well all the plants, but the plants go from woody, and I mean woody, to herbaceous, to those bedding plants that will die off in the winter. 
Not forgetting, of course, what we use in the kitchen, herbs as well. So we're looking at Nemorosa caradona. It's a hardy perennial with spikes of electric blue flowers, which flower from about now right through to September. Um, they grow about a height of 40 centimetres, somewhere around there. You cut them back after flowering, you should get a neck and next flush as well. In the autumn, I cut them right down to the ground, put a bit of a mulch around them just to give them a bit of a boost through the winter. And they're as simple as that, and up they come again next year. But remember, they originate from Mediterranean areas, so they do well in dryish conditions. They don't like sitting in soggy soil, and they like plenty of sun. So if you've got wet clay, leave them alone. They rarely suffer as well with any uh, diseases or pests, so they're pretty good. So go out there and look for Salvia caradona. Let's go back to the phones and talk to Daphne from Leon C. What you got for us, Daphne? Hello, Ken. Yes, I just wanted to say a great big thank you because I had a Phalaenopsis orchid given to me and eventually, of course, the blooms went. And you mm -hmm. advised me on what to do. Believe me, it's as good as it could ever be. <laughs> oh, it's a gold star, Ken. So oh, you see. We do give the right information sometimes. Well, Is that right, yeah, Daphne? I mean, I thought, you know, you're going to know, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're supposed we to. So. We hope so. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. Well, do you know, it's, it is nice to hear success as well as failures in life yeah. and it, it you know i mean <clears throat> i think i went to a garden recently that uh, i'd done a little bit of help been helping with and they said we had visitors the other week and they were they couldn't get over how nice the garden looks and i thought it's really not it's you don't often get good feedback do you tom no, and, you, and it's you, the same. Take, you take it when you can yeah, yeah and it's right. nice for you to come back to us and tell us that that really yeah. is appreciated yeah, right. Well, I, I haven't fed it. I've just given it rainwater and it's absolutely beautiful. Go for it. I thank will. you. Thank you very much, Daphne. And thank okay, you. thank you, Ken. Thank you very much for your call. That's very nice. And we go over to Benfleet from Terry. Hello, Terry. Yeah, good morning, Ken. A boxed hedge. Yes. Uh, it's approximately 20 yards long. Mm -hmm. It's uh, about 18 inches high and it's been trimmed very neatly over the years okay it's now completely dead it's been dead for about a year and it's skeletal white like well ice color and obviously not going to regrow and i've got the problem of removing it how do i go about that well that's funny you should ask that question because i did that the other day what removed the dead? I had to remove a whole hedge of uh, box it's got a bit of a matted root system so the best best bet is to use a fork and to come in from the side and just to don't leave her in one go just leave her in bite-sized chunks Keep and loosen uh, yeah, and, and, and then all of a sudden it does pop out of the ground and you'll be amazed then that there's there doesn't seem to be a huge mass of roots but they are they spread and one or two of them are quite sort of taproot based but it doesn't take long to take out I tended to sort of cut them down to where I could see the crown and that made it much easier to remove them and then you can um, sort of depends on what was on them really because if it was blight or anything like that you might want to either incinerate it or put it into your municipal waste mm. do you know what actually happened to it um terry 
Yeah, it's the blight, I think. They've got it, it was the blight. So, so they, it's either that or the caterpillar. My, my, my brother, uh, sorry, my, uh, my son-in-law said that there was a lot of caterpillars on it, so it could be that. Ah. So the, the difference is, if it's a caterpillar, the leaves are more stuck together um, and flattened together with a little bit of skeletonization on a leaf, and if it's blight, they are they, the leaf just goes brown. Go, and goes it goes brown. to a straw colour. It doesn't actually necessarily go white and skeletal no. at all. But I think it sounds like you had caterpillar. It sounds mm. like, yeah. But so ter- it's, but what it's do I in- do with the, with the debris? I mean, could I burn it off in the garden? Do you think that would be allowed? If you can incinerate, then live? yes, you could go for it. If you can do that, great. If, if you can't, can't, I would probably put that into my municipal uh, uh, waste. Yeah. Or if you could shred it, chip and shred it. Uh, no, because no, that, I can't that, do that. Okay, so no. maybe burning if that's a, that's more yeah, acceptable method. Yeah, you're in method. Benfleet. I don't. Are you in a smokeless area in Benfleet? Well, the hedge is actually in Streatham, where my daughter lives, and I've got the chip Oh, no, I think you'll find Streatham, I think you'll find, is a smokeless area. So I wouldn't be able to burn it, then? Well, you need to check with the local authority. OK, that's fine, I'll do that. What about anything left in the ground, the, the spores? No, 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 so if it's, um, let's just say if, it's, if it was the caterpillar, the caterpillar only attacks that plant. Uh, so turning over the soil will it actually have also um, sort of made it more aware for birds and things to peck around and, and take things away. So it's, it's not an issue of any residues there. If it's blight, uh, clean up the ground, uh, reinvigorate it anyway. Don't and then, plant box. Uh, I wouldn't put box in there, put something completely different in. I'm not planting any box. Yeah, <laughs> I've no, stopped. I think we'll get rid of that completely. Yeah. Okay, Terry. Right, thanks for your information. That's okay. That's a pleasure. And in fact, the only thing that's upset me on television recently is that uh, a recent gardening program had a whole piece on the box caterpillar and there was no mention of using chemical at all which is a very biased opinion because you can use can't you you, you can, can use, use sprays yeah you can use contacts but you need to see the pest uh, so fatty acids or delta methrin are good uh, you can use a systemic yeah. uh, but the systemic uh, is clear it, ultra yeah it might have some it control. does have some control and then you've got pheromone traps and then you've got picking yeah. off and yeah, no, so but they're, they're I, all I, back to what he was talking about but I was annoyed because you you did, know, it wasn't holistic life, enough it in life yeah. it should be an equal balance and you don't just because you're a gardening program you don't avoid chemical mentions no and it should have it should have covered it. Anyway, that's my little uh, complaint <laughs> for the day. George and Dagnum were talking raspberries. Is that right? Indeed, yes. Um, I, what I want to know, Ken, is um, I grew some Glen Ample raspberries many, many years ago and have gradually uh, worn themselves out. But there's a beautiful uh, raspberry. And in the last three, four years, I've replanted some Joan Jones. Uh, and they're nowhere near, in my opinion, as anywhere like as good as the Ample. When is the best time for me to purchase and plant Glenample raspberry canes again? Uh, well, for me, autumn. yeah, autumn, autumn is to scour the nurseries and look at the range and then purchase them at point. And what they'll do is they'll, they'll dispatch them at the best point. And it'll either be... Autumn or spring. Yeah, autumn or the latest will be sort of February time. Yeah. And then you've got a bare-rooted plant. It's a vigorous plant. Uh, it'll probably come in just... It's, it's been lifted from the field and plunged into a pot with compost, so it's all be quite loose. Very clearly labelled. Nice, clean, certified, clean plants. That's, that's the what, best That's what time. you want to start with, yeah. 
And if if the gentleman's uh, if uh, George has been growing raspberries in the same spot, it is worth changing the area, isn't it? I would actually. If I you can, can you do that, George? Yes, I can. I was going to actually. I was going to ask that. Whether yeah. or not to plant them in the same area. No, plant them in a different that, area, you'll get a re- better response. That's good practice, actually, and yeah. it can really invigorate the ground you're now leaving from those present raspberries and put something else in there. Uh, and then, yeah, that, that'll give you probably a good, ste- a good start in life for the plants. Right. Thank you very much indeed. That's, that, that's a pleasure. Yeah. That's George from Dagnum, and we go to Dave in Haybridge. No. What, what you got, Dave? Hello. We're listening, Dave. What you got? Uh, I've got a lawn which was laid about five months ago, a turf. Yes. Uh, and um, I want to know if I should cut it really short now. Right. Uh, as as uh, conditions dry, or well, when conditions are warm and dry, you should not ever cut really tight. How, what height have you been cutting it? Do you know roughly up until now? Uh, just one off of the, the shortest one. One off the shortest one. So what does it leave you when you, I mean, you know, does it leave you half an inch of grass or less? No, uh, yeah, about an inch of grass. That's fine. That's I'd fine. keep going with that. If it's a new lawn, you're better off to treat it kind and you'll get more basal growth from your grass if you leave it at that height. Yeah, also we've got a mushroom farm in it. <laughs> That's inevitable. Ooh. You often get mushrooms. Um, you've had great conditions for that. Humid conditions. Yeah, it's been very little good. A little bit of rain. Don't worry about them. Brush them off. Yeah. Can I feed it with anything? Yeah, you can feed it. A, a yeah, good, good, good sort of high nitrogen-rich feed. Go yeah. for a proprietary lawn feed promoter. And uh, for the best results, probably get a liquid-based one, and then you can water it in really easy and quickly. What's that, like Miracle Grow or something like that? No, look for a lawn... Go, go, if, for, go for a specific lawn, lawn feed. feed. Lawn feed. Right, OK. Thank you very much. That's the pressure. That's Dave from Haybridge with a lawn. That's Yvonne from Benfleet. Hello, Yvonne. Hello, Ken. Um, I have a problem. We've got foxes under our shed. Um, three cubs and a mother. We've had them for several months, and I must admit they've been quite fascinating to watch. But <laughs> his feet and legs are smothered in flea bites, and I haven't got any pets, so presumably it must be coming from the foxes. Uh, how can I persuade them to go and live somewhere else? <laughs> uh, you've got your work cut out, yeah, you quite honestly. You really have. That's what it's all. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you suggest, actually. I can't suggest anything. No? Can you? No. no. They disappeared for a couple of days last week, and I thought, oh, good, they've gone. But no, they're back again, all uh, four of them. Fact, the only thing you can think... Come and visit the other day. I suppose the only thing you can think of is when they're out fully grown, if they do wander off, get some wire netting and then seal off around the base of the shed with wire netting to stop them going back under. Yeah, the trouble is, the back of the fence, the back of the shed is on the fence behind us, so there's no way we can get behind Oh, there. right, they're coming from that side. They're getting mm. in. <laughs> uh, so, personally, personally, have got no recommendations. No, I mean, fox bad. deterrence. There is a fox, electronic fox deterrence. Like a, like a sonar type sonar thing. thing. They use for pets and Worth things. Worth a try. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, thanks, because I'm getting bitten to pieces. <laughs> You'll see that sold in garden centres. They're also sold through <laughs> mail order. If right. you preferably try and... I don't know about this, but 
if you can find one that is specific to a animal, uh-huh. they're better than the one that will tell you that it'll do cats, dogs, foxes, pigeons. Yeah, because then so it needs to be more narrow. It, it, because what it does is the, the, the range of hearing from a cat to a fox is different. Uh-huh. And therefore you need the right range. Right, okay. Okay, I'll give that a try then. You'll give it a try. Good right. luck. Yeah. Let us know how you get on. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks very much indeed. Thank you. Uh, there you are. There's uh, someone with foxes. How do you get rid of them under your shed? You could tell us on 0800 111 It's as simple as that. Um, and don't forget, you can text. And yes, I've got several texts to get through, and I will be getting through those in just a moment. But before all that, here's, a, here's something to remind you. Listen to BBC Essex wherever you are. On your FM or digital radio. Download the BBC Sounds app. Turn on your TV. We're on Freeview, channel 734. Or ask your smart speaker to play BBC Essex. All right, asking the BBC to play BBC Essex. Don't forget, yes, you can go to the BBC Sounds app and pick us up. And, of course, uh, the podcast of this programme will be available by about mid-afternoon as well. So if you've missed bits of it, of those questions being answered, we extra tips, plant of the week, oh, there's... Ec- and the events around the county. Now, if you want your event mentioned and put onto the podcast, we can do that. We need it two weeks in advance. You send it along to ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk or pop it in the post, as people do today, which is rather nice. And that's Ken Crowther, P.O. Box 765, Chumpsford, CM2 9XB. Let's go back to the phones and remind you there's a line free at the moment on 0800 41. And we go to Peter in Chelmsford. Hello, Peter. Uh, good morning, Ken. <clears throat> um, quite a few years ago, we bought a plant in a supermarket, quite a few years ago, and they called it a marble plant. Indoor, outdoor? Outdoor. Okay. And it was about, uh, I would say, about 10 inches tall when we bought it. Mm-hmm. Now it's about 15 foot. So it's grown a little bit. Uh, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> and I just wondered what the best time of the year is to trim it down. But I right. want to put a bit of shape into it, you know. Is it an evergreen? It's. Um, I tell you what happens to it. it goes the the, 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 le- the leaves are now turning sort of reddy brown. Right. The young leaves are turning red or brown. It's an evergreen, my wife. Yeah, and it's quite a glossy leaf. Well, it, um, in this, uh, a little while ago, it sort of had a flower on it, quite a big, you know, a bunch, bunchy sort of flower. Yeah. Cre- creamy yellow? Yeah. No. Creamy yellow or creamy white? Oh. Creamy white. Creamy yellow. white. That's creamy me. White. Right, there is a variety of Photinia that's called, uh, well, it's called Pink Marble. That's the one. That's it. And that's to do with the the leaf colour itself. Uh, It has got a bit of marbling on it. Um, Now, Photinias... I'd cut it now. Well, they also give you that bright, lush growth as well as soon as you prune. But all evergreens can be pruned in the growing season now. Do it now. Would be a good time. 
Right now, no, shape it up. up. Quite a bit of a corner of our garden. You can you can be quite harsh with it. You can be quite harsh with them. They, they, they will take a lot of pruning, and then oh, they'll right. respond by giving you lots of new growth. Ah, lovely. All right. So it sounds like it's doing yeah, very so well. I can actually do it now or in the near future. Yeah, we'll do it. You must do it before frosts. So before frost, any, yeah. any time now onwards will be fine. Ah, lovely. Okay. Yeah, thank you very much indeed. That's what we're here for. We'll be back to those gardening questions in a little while. But uh, now on the BBC Essex Gardening Podcast, Tom Cole has got some tips on things that you could be getting on with in the garden right now and this week. That's right, Ken. There's loads of things to do. And one thing I have looked forward to all year is harvesting stone fruits. Yes. I've got a customer who's got apricots, so anything like apricots, peaches, nectarines, cherries, if you've got those, green gauges a little bit early, and, and plum a little bit early. But this is a great time to actually harvest those. Cupping fruits, lifting up, and they should just come off nice and cleanly within your hand. It's always interesting because I got asked how you tell with apricots, and of course what you just said is the correct way because people keep feeling them. And of course an apricot is quite hard. Yeah. Even when ripe, isn't it? It is, actually. And as you, if, you, if you ever do that, you can actually end up bruising okay. uh, the fruit as well. But it's also, as you do that, think about pruning. Yes. Because this is the key time also to prune uh, stone fruits, all the prunus types, so that you minimise the spread of bacterial canker and silver leaf. So just light shaping, remove the 3Ds, dead, diseased and damaged, take out suckers and just open up the plant. But don't go too wild. And if your peaches and your nectarines and your apricots are a wall train, it's, I mean, it's a good, like you say, you can train them along at this time of year with all that lovely new growth. Absolutely. And uh, obviously protect those fruits as hopefully you, you have been doing, and that's netting them as well to stop the birds from getting in because nice, big, large and bright fruits are very attractive. Now, we've done two tips there. Is that two tips or have we well, got another one? Well, there? I have got another one, actually, yeah, which is on, completely different to stone fruits because I've got a couple of customers who've got their lawns, their nice sweeping lawns, but they're looking a little bit tired at the moment. The weather's not been... Well, it's not been too bad. It's been wet, but it's also been warm. Lots of growth and then lots of areas where it's a bit tired. So I think it's a good time to actually boost... Uh, the plants and apply uh, a nitrogen rich feed and really important if you didn't feed earlier in the year. Would you use a liquid <clears throat> at this time of year? I think this time they need to get it into the plant more quickly yeah liquid feeds are, are, are probably better they're quicker they're also probably safer for the plants because leaving those granules on the surface if you do not water in, then you'll get scorching. Uh, so liquid feeding is dilute, it gets straight into the plant, and you'll green up more quickly. And those hose-end feeders are a doggle Absolutely. to use, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, you can either do that on a small lawn yourself or attach it to a sprinkler system, and off it goes. And you'll have lush green swords later in the year. Thanks very much there, Tom. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Tony from Colchester. Front hedge, we're talking. You yeah, sure good morning, Ken. Um, thanks ever so much for the smashing programme. We're virtually always, uh, on a Saturday, we listen to your programme and try and glean some information. Good. Um, I've got a problem with the front hedge. We've been here just over 30 years, and when we first moved in and built the house, we put um, 
the normal pine trees, they're fast throwing pine trees at the front. Uh, big mistake because they got about 15 foot high and I can't keep a, um, keep them trimmed down. Yep. Um, I've now trimmed them and of course they've died in places and they look horrible so I'm going to have to take them out. Could you suggest something that is fairly fast growing um, which I can replace them with other than pine? Or, or perhaps a slower growing pine. Um, right, I think it sounds like... About five or six right. feet high that I've reached. Okay, tree. sounds like you've put Lalandi in. That's right, yes. Yeah, yeah, they're a bit of a pain if you don't keep them trimmed all the time. And yes, they need at least possibly two trims a year rather than one. Uh, my yeah. favourite re- alternative to Lalandi will be Thuya. Thuya, oh, Thuya, how do you spell that? T-H-U-J-A, isn't it? Yep. Thuya, I think it's atro- uh, atropi- atro- It's pu- uh, Western Red Cedar. Yeah, but just think of ah, it as a Thuya. Yes. Now, Thuya has a nice smell. It's slower growing. Glossy and leaves. Glossy leaves and very controllable. And only grows oh, about six inches a year. Max doesn't even grow that, does it? It, it, grows, it can grow quite th- fast, yeah. but it's easier to control. It's much easier to control. And my second, oh, this is my second, I'll do my second one. My second would be Laurel. Yes. The only th- I, I thought of Laurel because we've, we've already um, got umpteen Laurel that we've uh, collect, we collected from the trees in the back where we've got Laurel, and they grow very fast. The only trouble is um, a neighbour of mine said, oh, he found that the birds take all the um, berries and drop all the mess all over the cars. Is that true or not? Mm, that's, they don't always bury. They don't always flower. If they're kept trim, they hardly ever flower. Yeah, if you're keeping them as a hedge, you'll get the odd flower coming through, but actually it's quite rare to get them to produce the fruit. Now, if you're buying those, remove the lalandi that you've got in. Yes. And if you're buying laurel, buy them in winter, November onwards. You can buy them root bald in garden centres and nurseries. Right. And so you'll they find like the ones that I've already got planted up in pots that are about yeah. a couple of feet high. Yep. But what I'm saying is if anybody wants to plant a hedge, you plant it in November onwards, you buy root board and you can buy them any height you like. Absolutely. Uh, you can buy them two foot, three foot, eight foot, nine foot, twelve foot. Yeah. But the, the yes, other key six to eight feet would be fine. Thank you ever so much. But the other key thing is you've really got to improve that soil before you plant because those conifers have really taken a lot of moisture and nutrition out. Just a couple other ones. Photinia is also very good. And also the Portuguese laurel uh, has got a finer leaf. And you can buy that root board. That's really good root board. And they they sell those in lots of different heights. Okay. Uh, lovely. Thank you ever so much. Thank that, you. That's all, all some problem out. Thank you, Ken. Okay, that's Tony with some giving him some ideas. Christina from Canvey has got dahlias growing in your garden, have you, Christina? Yes, yes. Uh, they're growing nicely, but at the top, where all the um, buds would, would form, they've been eaten away, and the leaves are going all lacy. Got holes. I've put pellets down, and I sprayed it with. Um, what is it? What, what did I. I can't it's resolve something anyway resolver and um it's it away all the tops of them where the buds should be coming it's it's chewing all that up and um making all holes in the leaves right quite a few things could be happening here it could be couldn't it with Davis, so yeah. you could if where you've got leaves which are sort of gappy or skeletonizing a bit that's probably yeah. more caterpillar, caterpillar. 
Mm. Um, so look under the leaves to see if they're still there, and you can pick those off. Um, the other holes, if they're slightly irregular and you've got maybe a sort of silvery slime trail, it could be slugs or snails, but which is quite key. But you've got pellets down. Well, so put it down already. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> not much else. Is not it? much else you can do really. I'm trying to think of anything else actually. Uh, if the leaves are slightly eaten, little brown marks on it might be something like a capsid bug. Yeah, um, no, it's no, it's no it's brown. Not those. It's holes. No, it's caterpillar and or slug. Around the edges as well. It's been eaten yeah, on the don't, edges. Yeah, don't don't overdo the don't overdo the uh, slug pellets. Just no. <clears throat> a few. Remember, they're a bait. <clears throat> Yes. Very important to remember. Mm. And on dailies, you could use a systemic like Bug Clear Ultra, couldn't mm-hmm. you? Yeah. Yeah, Bug Clear. I think that's what I've used, actually. Right. Well, just follow the directions and hopefully that should sort it out. Okay. Lovely. Thanks, Ken. Okay. I'm going to have a go at that anyway. Thanks very much. There can't be much else, can it, really? There's nothing else, really. <clears throat> um, Oh, our armchair gardener's off again. He's got a Schumacher tree, beautiful coloured leaves, but it never produces any shoes. Uh, we'll move on from that, shall we? <laughs> quickly. <laughs> quickly. Quickly to Brian from Harold Hill. <laughs> Thanks, Ken. That's our the comedy, comedy spot of the week. <laughs> right. What can we do for Brian, then? Yeah, well, Ken, I spoke to you last year regarding my camellias. Yeah. I followed your advice, and they were doing great. Now, I've got three camellia plants. All, all were doing well. I'll have one, um, which is on a south-facing wall. Uh, which was in full bloom, looking lovely. And about two and a half weeks ago, there was an overnight thunderstorm. When I've got out in the morning, it's all wilting and looking sad and sorry for itself. So I gave it the once over and found there was quite an infestation of aphids. So I've got a feeling I may have murdered it because I used a PY bug killer. Should be all right. Should be fine. No, you didn't use it in the sun? Yeah. No, you... no, I used it late at night. Um, but... The flowers have died off, the leaves are all dying off. I, it, the to me, it sounds... still got that red and green tinge to them, as I, if they're... <clears throat> right, I think you've surviving. got... You know, someone was saying this on the programme the other week, is that things happen when, you know, you put two things together. It's like, you know, the car, that you had a puncture, but you drove down a rough road and you blame the two things, even mm. though they might have nothing to do with each other. Yeah? yeah. And I think the thunderstorm had nothing to do with it. I think it just happened to be a thunderstorm. Um, what you're describing isn't really an aphid problem. If the thing's wilting completely, it wouldn't do that. Is, is This is in the ground and not, or in a pot? That's in the ground. It's in the ground. And it was looking so healthy, but the, the morning after the thunderstorm, it was the flowers were drooping. It was really looking sad and sorry for itself. So I checked it over and found there was a... Not a major infestation, but an infestation. It's not the infestation that's caused that, is it? Which I treat with a PY bug killer, which I thought was safe. No, I mean... It, uh, in really, for camellias, aphids would be, I wouldn't class it as a major pest. No. Um, the only problem, though, I suppose, is with aphid, that they can sometimes transmit problems. Um, but this sounds like something's either attacking the root it's system... It's system, isn't it? ...or it's not getting enough water. No, it's been getting plenty yeah. of water, plenty of feed, but regarding the root system, the area around the root, uh, there's no sign of any... I would say for about, what, two-foot diameter... There's no sign of any weeds or anything growing whatsoever. Okay, and it's not sit. Now that we've got lots of water, it's not sitting in water. 
No, no. So I think maybe you could you could try and explore around carefully around part of the root system, see if there is anything there. But it's, it's actually quite rare. Things like um, it's rare for vine weevils going to the borders, yes. uh, and actually you would see some signs on the leaves because vine weevil grubs can actually cause wilting. But we've gone past the grub stage now. Most of those would have actually pupated, and you'll also see some notch marks on the leaves if if a, a, if a pest had been attacking it that way. Yeah. Um, difficult, uh, actually. I used a soil tester on it to check the um, acidity level. Yeah. Now, when I pushed it in once, it went right up to a massive acid level. Uh, uh, I don't know whether I stabbed something with the probe or quite what. Checked all around the rest. The rest of it's neutral. Um, so, you, right. So, you haven't got any yellowing on the young leaves. I've never had any yellowing on the long, young leaves. No, but as I say, all the leaves have died off and wilted completely as if... As if it's, well, God, it looks as though someone's hit it with a flamethrower. Right, you're, you're, the, it's not, it's not that, it's, it's in the right soil conditions, because if it was yeah. uh, lack of acidity, then the, the young leaves will go yellow. Um, yeah. So you're, you've, you've, you're actually in the right uh, soil conditions there. So it, I think the honest answer is we don't know. Mm. I'm not sure. Without no. seeing it. Take a take a picture of it and send it in and we'll have a look at it. Yeah. Okay, I mean, okay there, we'll do. Because there are I mean, I mean there are some fungal diseases that can attack some of your woody plants. And it might give us a clue. Right? Things like wilts, yeah. for example, they cause the top to collapse and then die. Which off. could be from through the roots. And yeah. that's usually for intense weather conditions as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was just the speed of it. it yeah. Well, well no, it can it happen really quickly. It can. I mean fungal yeah. problems to the root can happen very, very fast. Oh, all right. right. Okay, Ken. Okay. Thanks again, Kim, for your help, and really uh, appreciate it. Okay, Brian, send us a picture, Ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk, and we go to Anita in Thorpe Bay. Hello, Anita. Hello, Ken. I have a problem with toads. I've got toads in my drain. Now, I removed them last week, and it's come back. How, how do they know? I removed, and then I, uh, yesterday I looked, and I've got three. So I removed those, took them right to the end of the garden, and I've got two back this morning. Can't, how, uh, can't you put a mesh? You can't put a mesh, mesh over, over the drain to stop it going in, can't you? I have tried that, and I, I, I put I put all stuff all over it yesterday to stop them from going in, but they come along under the pipe. Sneaky toes. I toads. found out, and I <laughs> Sneaky can't put toes. that. So. Oh. Uh, so I don't know quite what to do with them. I, uh, I don't. I don't think I, we don't either, actually, because no, I know. <laughs> uh, it's no point they obviously love it there. with them because they <laughs> yeah. find. Their, I don't know how they find their way back. Is it scent? Um, do they smell the water? I mean, the bloke next door's got a pond, but they don't seem to want to go in there. No, because toads live on the outside of ponds, don't they? Oh, yeah, they totally. do, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. Yeah. Oh. they're very good for the garden. Yes, because they eat lots of your insects. I know they do, but they're not going to eat them in my drain, are they? <laughs> uh, not unless it's got lots of insects in it. No, oh, I agree. No. Um, <sighs> well, we've got no simple answer for you. If anybody has got an answer for Anita, how she can get rid of her toads, you can give us a quick call or send us a text. How about that? Okay, you sure? Now, hang on. Are we, on someone is, is it definitely a toad and not a frog? Well, no, it's a toad, because it, 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 it is a to- I, I know the difference between a toad and a frog. Okay, I just thought yeah. I'd ask, yep, yeah. no, that's fine. Okay, um, thank, I, thank you anyway. Well, we're not being very helpful, I'm afraid, to Anita. 
I wouldn't know. I just, I mean, other than mesh it and stop That's it. That's all I can I'm, think of, really. What just do you do? Moving them somewhere where it's moist. That's all you can do, isn't it? Yes, we haven't forgotten your calls, texts and emails, but let's take a final look at some of the tips that Tom has for us this week. Now, I don't know about you, Ken, but I've got loads and loads of bedding plants this year. I don't know why I've done it, but I have. <laughs> I think it's because of all the colour it's given me. Uh, but, of course, as one flower fades, the other ones lower down emerge but that flower that's faded really needs to be pinched out it needs to be deadheaded because a lot of them are trying to produce seed if absolutely so you want to keep that plant keep it growing keep it more compact as well and that's what deadheading will help you do keeps the plant compact it generates more growth more flowers so things like cosmos uh, there's wonderful daisy huge daisy like flowers just take out the center flower that's uh, fading at the moment and all the other bedding plants as well things like petunias although some just shrivel up very quickly geraniums to actually you know very important cut the base of the flower stalk with a thumb and finger and just snap it to left and it should come off nice and cleanly and also with fuchsias to stop them fruiting uh, just pick off those fruits Um, and at the same time you've got a few perennials that uh, they're coming past their pest best as well things like a number of the salvias and geraniums you can reduce those by a half and you'll get another flush of growth with another flush of flowers a little bit later in the season so plenty to get on with lots to extend the season there yeah and um, well, last but not least, that's it. Last but not least, uh, we must not forget our house plants. No, I've got lots and lots of orchids and other house plants in the in in the house. Believe it or not, and uh, they do need to be watered on a regular basis. Uh, ideally, with uh, either tepid water or rainwater, um, whatever you can get access to, and feeding feeding on a regular basis. So, particularly with orchids, uh, are using things like a drip feeder. Yeah, helps, you know, cut off it? the end of the pot, invert it, stick it into the top of the pot, and it's great. Things like Phalaenopsis, you want to be watering now once a week, uh, and ideally with rainwater uh, and be prepared for another flush of flowers a little bit later in the season from those they are plenty to get on with this coming week let's now look at some of those events around the county and let's start with a couple of national garden schemes uh fear fearingbury manor coggeshall road fearing uh, that's open every friday no thursday and friday sorry every thursday and friday uh, up until the 26th of July. So they are. Admission £5. That's a lovely one. It's a 10-acre garden and it looks across the River Blackwater. Well worth going to see. Uh, there's also some wonderful sculptures by Ben Cood Adams. Uh, well worth having a look at. I have actually been and had a look at that one. The code is CO59RB. Barnard's Farm is also open every Thursday. And that's £7.50, children free, light refreshments available there. <clears throat> and that is another one that has so much to offer. It's got a ward vegetable plot, Japanese garden and some sculptures as well. Not forgetting, of course, Barnard's Miniature Railway. Code for that, CM13. Uh, just a reminder as well, on the 15th of July, I know that's just Monday, but at 8pm, St Mary Magdalene Church, High Street, Billericay, the um, talk is Garden Bugs, Cohabit, Control or Conserve by Ian Bedford. And that, of course, is for the Billericay Horticultural Society. £2 visitors, refreshments available. And thank you, Vic Hare, for sending that one in. Just a reminder, that's this Monday. And that can go now. Going through till Saturday the 20th, all in Ada Macmillan. Uh, cancer support 
John Spooner is opening his garden again with his um, John Spooner. They've raised all that money and they are opening the garden on the 20th of July, which, of course, is... Is that next weekend? Yes, that's next weekend, 20th of July, 11 till 5.30, and a set of live music is also there on the 20th. So now, go on, go along there. That's 14 Una Road, Bowers Gifford, SS13, 2HU. A donation of four kid, uh, four pound is asked for. So there are. Go along to that one. Sounds a great event. And support John Spooner. Uh, Dovercourt uh, Fuchsia Show, Park Pavilion, Barrett Lane, Harridge. Yes, the Fuchsia Show. Come on, Mike, get along there. You're from there. Saturday the 20th, 2 till 5. Sunday the 21st, 10 till 4. Admission a pound. Strawberries, scones, plants for sale, raffles, well worth a visit. Let's look now a bit advanced. 27th of July and 28th, Clacton and District Fuchsia Society. Their annual show is on those two days. I'll give you a bit of warning on that one as well next week. 1.30 till 5 on the Saturday and 11 till 3 on the Sunday. That is the Clacton and District Fuchsia Society. Also, a bit of advance warning for the 27th, the Flower Festival um, at St Mary the Virgin Church, Church Lane, Stapleford Abbots, RM4, 1ES, always a good show there. Saturday the 27th, 10 till 3 on the Saturday, Sunday, 11 till 3. Admission is absolutely free. I'll tell you what, there's some beautiful floral displays, various stores, tranquil church grounds, and they have homemade cakes, jams, oh, and all that sort of thing going on as well, and a brass band on the Sunday. I'll give you advance warning of that next week as well. Don't forget, you can send your events in to us here at BBC Essex. Just send them along to Ken Crowther. Postal, Ken Crowther, P.O. Box 765 Chelmsford CM2 9XB. If not, send them on the email, ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. Get them in two weeks in advance, just as you are, and we'll give them a blooming good mention and get more people along to your event. Peter Inonga. Hello, Peter. Hello, Ken. Um, a quick question. When's the best time to take cuttings of clematis? Uh, well, you could do it now, yeah, actually. Now. Summertime, July time. You time. can take... Um, they're called internodal cuttings. Uh, so what you want to do is take a, a, a sort of section of current season's growth. Not too soft at the tip. No, and then work to where a junction is. Cut just above that junction. Cut just above the one below it. So you have basically two pairs of leaves, little section of leaf, a little bit of hormone power on the bottom, and push that into a good seed and cutting compost and put the whole container into a big black plastic, big black plastic bag, a clear plastic bag even, clear one will be so better. we get light in. And um, what you'll find is that may well root in about uh, three or four weeks. About a month. Uh, so after the first two weeks, take the top off the bag and just leave it there so the temperature adjusts. And hopefully you'll have some cuttings which you can pot on in around about eight to ten weeks. And also, should I cut the dead uh, flower heads off of clematis? 
people, it depends some really. Some people do, some people um, don't. Does it, is, I mean, some varieties have some really good striking seed heads, like uh, Clematis tangatica or the yellow flower, wonderful flower head, wonderful seed heads. So you could choose to leave them on. It doesn't matter if you don't. Um, Makes could, no difference to the matter, plant really. at all. It's just what, how do you want to extend the season? Because we've got flowers, then we've got seed heads, and then according to the group the Clematis is in, you'll, you'll then prune it accordingly. I'm going to nip over to Hatfield to talk to Alan about your willow tree. Is that right, Alan? Yes, hello, Ken. I've, I've got a willow. It's not like a normal willow. It's uh, it's like a small one, a very slim, it's like a centre trunk going up. Not, not, much, not much thicker than a broom, broom handle. Yeah. And all the branches all hanging down, all the way around, like a shroud. Yeah, it sounds like Kilmarnock Kilmarnock Willow. Kilmarnock Willow, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, can I thin it down a bit or? Yeah, in fact, I always think it is good to thin them down. If not, you get a huge amount of dead on the inside. Yeah. So, yes, you can just you cut that. them you, you as close to the centre as you can yeah. now. You can do that now. What, just uh, every other one or...? Well, it depends on how much you got. I mean, it's all, if you take out maybe a third to begin with and then see what you got left, because yeah. you want to see that shape still, uh, and take out the dead and diseased and damaged, and then try and keep those best-looking branches and then thin out between them. OK. Okie doke. Pleasure. Lovely. OK, Alan, thank you very much for your call. Let's go now to Fernando. Hi, Fernando. Oh, hello, Ken. Good morning. Yes, a very quick one, because I know you're getting to the end of the program. That's all right. I said a quick one, because I know you're getting to the end of the program. So I wanted to ask you, I've got a uh, Agapanthus, which I was given many, many years ago in a plastic um, pot, about a 10-litre pot or so, and it's grown, 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 but I haven't had any flowers for the last two or three years. And... Um, and I, I asked someone, what should I do? And uh, I believe that the thing to do is take it out of the pot. Depending, this is now, this time of the year. If I could break a pot, in fact, put it in a bigger pot with some more compost or whatever I should do, and then feed it, and apparently I then uh, will have eventually flowers. I can then divide in the spring. Is that correct? Uh, yes, to all that, actually. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, You've been well advised, I think. You know, sometimes they don't flower because they're actually too restricted. They're actually too restricted. So actually moving them on into a larger pot or splitting them now into uh, two or three sections and then potting them up. Oh, in, great. Yeah, you could do that. I mean, good good compost. You want a free-drain compost. I tend to go for more soil-based, John Innes-type compost. So a number two would be good, which is equivalent to a multi-purpose compost. That'd be fine. But equally, you, you could... You could then leave it till the spring. But I think if it's got lots of growth at the moment and nothing's really happening with it, then maybe no. split and divide now. OK, great. That's extremely kind of you. Yeah. Thank you very much indeed. That's, That's okay. a pleasure. Bye-bye uh, bye bye there. And we go to Dick from South Woodham. And we're talking runner beans. We are talking runner beans, sir. <laughs> what can we um, do? Right, I bought them as sort of small plants in the garden centre. Mm -hmm. uh, I planted them out with the canes and all the rest of it. They are growing like mad. I've had masses of flowers and no beans. What are the flowers doing? Do the flowers drop completely, or what's happening? Yes, they just, uh, they, they full bloom, but then they just die and fall off, and they're just left to stalk. That's the same. It's exactly the uh, same as the gentleman right at the beginning of the programme had, 
And in oh, fact, I didn't hear that. no, that's all right. Um, it, all we can think of at the moment is birds, wasn't it? Tom. Yeah, they're cleanly broken off. I, th- I think I can't think of anything else uh, that would that would actually do that. So if the flower if the flower is just wilting and then dying off, then it's m- most likely to be a weather condition. So either lack of water or um, it, there's not enough water there to dislodge the pollen as well. So you get lack of pollination, lack of fertilisation. But where it's been broken off, it's probably more bird related. We don't get many birds, because we've got dogs, which frightens them off most of the time. Mm. Um, they do a lot of arcing, so we don't, we don't really get birds. I haven't seen any in the beans at all. See, flower drop is weather-related, but that would only drop... The, f- the flower would completely drop off, which has happened recently, in the last sort of month, because of the weather conditions. But other than that, we can't actually come up with any answers on that one, I'm afraid, Dick. <laughs> Well, that's what I thought. I've looked at yeah. books and everything no. and I just can't find any reference. No. Oh, anyway, well. I, I wish you well and hopefully it's too late to pop any more. No, it isn't. July, I tell you what, no, pop you some get, more get, in. Get some in. Put some white flowered ones in. These are red, I take it, Dick. They are red, yes. Yeah, put white in. Lady Die or something like that. Works really yeah. well. Sets very well. Yep. All right. All right, we'll try that. Thank you Yeah, you could dry them up on the same sticks, couldn't you? Just a reminder that uh, our good friend, uh, yes, Ray Clark, will be opening the Rettenham Village Show, incorporating the Rettenham Horticultural Show, uh, and that's at the Rettenham Cricket Ground, CM38DP, and he will be doing that at 1pm. Go along and see old Ray, or young Ray, depending <laughs> on which way you look at it. Um, thank you. We've done runner beans. I'm going to run through some of these... Uh, um, foxes could be try playing. Oh, it, the comedian's back, I reckon. <laughs> the lady with foxes could try playing Barry Manilow on repeat. That's very rude. Isn't oh, it? that's outrageous. That's outrageous. There's nothing wrong with that's Barry. No, <laughs> nothing wrong with Barry at all. Anyway, um, let's go back to. I bought a new plastic oak imitation water butt last month just before we had that nice rain. It's full. She's watered her plants with it and finally they're not looking very good which has upset her because normally she uses tap water and the plants have reacted badly to it. Can we think of any reason? And the answer is... Not really. Not really. It's come off the roof, down the guttering, and into the water butt. It's slightly more acid than tap water. But it won't affect the plants. But it, no, I'm just saying it is, but yeah. it, it wouldn't affect the plants, would it? So I'm afraid, Paul in Braintree, we have no answer for that at all. Don't understand. Um, beans. Don't talk to me about them, because what <laughs> the man's talking about is that is what I had two years running. Out of 39 seeds, I got three. Then when I did get lots of pl- lots of plants, I got no beans. My wife was banning me from growing them. And even the RHS couldn't solve my problem. Well, of course, we're better than the RHS, aren't we? Absolutely. Absolutely, of course we are. But anyway, I'm sorry we didn't get anywhere with that one. Um, how about growing, um, a growing seedless grapes? I'm thinking of growing my own seedless grapes, but I'm new to gardening, not done any in 35 years. Can you buy seedling grape, seedless, seedless grape plants? Yeah, you can buy varieties. You should be able to buy varieties, shouldn't you? <coughs> Have a go. Put them in a container. Yes, you can grow them in a container with a good Johnny's, couldn't you? Nice large container. It's got to be big. Yeah, about three foot by two foot depth. Yeah. 
Brenda from Pitsy, you're on the phone asking about fir trees. What would you like to know? I was listening to you speaking to the man who cut down his Leylandi. Yep. We are in the process of doing that. I think we've got rid of four so far. We've got three more to go. Um, I want to put in its place a hedge that's got edible berries or nuts or we do a lot of um, self-sufficiency stuff. Okay. So what's in the hedge I want to be able to eat? Right, well, there's an interesting one from... Uh, I've had a text in from Brenda who says, Can you please tell me the best time to pick hazelnuts before the squirrels do? The tree is packed with nuts. How do I ripen them? Well, actually, hazel as a hedge is beautiful. It's a super hedge, easy to cut, easy to trim, and produces hazelnuts. It's a very good plant, yes. It might keep the, it might keep the squirrel off the, the walnuts that it Well, there you are. <laughs> and you can also buy a red variety. Um, there's a red hazelnut as well, red-leafed hazelnut, um, I try, don't know its name, can't think of its name, but you could alternate green and red. That sounds good. And you plant them in the autumn, you can buy them mm. bare root in the autumn and that would work really well for you. Or you could do a mixture of uh, native plants which produce fruit and berries. So you could have things like the slow in there, yep. you could have the hazel in there, uh, you could even have uh, sort of the dog roses, you can make sort of rose hip syrup, that type of thing. Um, so it could be a whole a range of things. things you can use and you're benefiting the wildlife at the same time. Is that all right, Brenda? Yes, that helps. Thank you very much. That's Brenda, our last call for today. Don't forget, gardening is every Saturday here on BBC Essex. Let's just go back to the... So, the picking the hazelnuts, you can't pick them before they're ready. Well, you could, because they're, they're, they're green, they're white and soft inside, in fact. But really, all you can do is keep picking them, cracking them, and see whether and you've got out. enough yeah. nut in it to worth eating. Because if not, it's not worth eating them, is it? Um, I want to try and grow some seedlings. We did that one. Currently, I have a decking, 16 foot. Oh, it's the same one. When is the best time to plant them? Anytime. Doesn't matter. Do they need to be pruned? Yes, you'd have to f follow a pruning um, regime for grapes, wouldn't you? You'd you would, train it. Yeah, I mean, you could do it now, or you could wait till the autumn and do it then, or into the spring, when the conditions are a little bit better than they are at the moment. And uh, Mike in Benfleet, he wants to know, how, f how hard can he prune his buddlias back after they finish flowering? Well... I as hard to, as you I've like. I've cut them to the ground before. Yeah. Um, and then they do, they do shoot up again, unfortunately. What do you mean, unfortunately? <laughs> Buddies are nice. Uh, we've been feeding birds for over 30 years and now have a very unworkable rat eating seeds from the bottom of our feeders. He comes in and out during the day. Well... That's, That's what's going to happen. Feed birds. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go on the BBC Sounds app. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question, why not give us a call on 0800 4041 and be part of the programme every Saturday morning from 11. If you want your event or garden that's open to the public to get a few more people along, why not send your information to me, ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk, two weeks in advance, and we'll put it on the podcast for you. 